Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 26th. Today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 68. We're on the first paragraph starting with we reviewed our fears thoroughly. Today's readers are Julie R., Sylvia, Judy B., and Rebecca. The reference number for Sunday, August 25th, is 5007. Again, that's 5007. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, sh- who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 steps, please. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Good morning. 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove these shortcomings. Eight, made a, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, oh, excuse me, <laughs> continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Julia E. to read the 12 traditions, please. 
Good morning, spiritual family. My name is Julia, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self, fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Julia. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 68, first full paragraph on the page, beginning with, We Reviewed Our Fears. I will ask Julie R. to begin reading, please. Hi, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them, we asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Again, I'm Julia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And when I was uh, doing my fear inventory the first couple times around when I had yet recovered, I just, you know, thought about them real quick and listed them and didn't even scratch the surface. 
And as a result of that, you know, they stayed with me, uh, ones that I had had many, many years. Um, when I came back to program and I got a recovered big book sponsor, she had me do um, it differently. She had me um, make the columns. She had me list them. And when she talked to me about thoroughly doing this, um, it was about going deeper than I ever had done. I was always raised to, you know, take care of yourself. And when you look at the big book and it talks about um, self-reliance, how it failed us, I mean, to me, that was the way to go, you know, to do it myself because nobody else could do it um, as good as me. But when I looked at that, and it was always to do with my own efforts, my abilities, you know, God wasn't in there. And um, she made the point to say, God needs to be in your in your thoughts when you're doing this. Ask your God for direction. And, you know, when I talked about, you know, self-confidence, because sometimes self-confidence is good. I mean, it got me to where I am for my job, but not for anything else, not with my fears. And again, it was because it had to do with Julie's power, my abilities. And once I looked at that and I said, I had to turn this over to God and let God help me with this, was I God-reliant or Julie-reliant? And every time it was um, because my self-reliance failed me. So if my self-reliance failed me, I had to look for something else. And this was such a freeing experience, especially because I had to do it thoroughly. I think the big book uses that word several times. Um, and putting them on paper, even though I didn't want to, because I didn't want anybody ever to see what my fears were. And I, I can say that this process worked. When I was done, I had fears that um, I never thought would leave me. And today, they I'm not plagued with them. It was because I was able to get out of self. So this is um, a very, very important part of the process for me because it got me out of Julie. And that's how I live my life. So I want to thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Katie from Boston. Katie from Virginia. Uh, let's see. I heard Katie from Virginia and a couple of other folks before that. Uh, who else would uh, like to share on? Eileen. Eileen. Katie from Boston. And Katie from Boston. We'll go in this order. Eileen, then Katie from Boston, and then Katie from Virginia. So, Eileen, go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Eileen from uh, Bedford, Mass. Um, oh, I have to thank this meeting so much. I spent the past 27 days in the hospital after taking a serious bike ride accident. I uh, took a blow to my skull. And I was in the hospital receiving all sorts of treatment. And when I was in there, every Monday through Friday, I listened to this meeting. I didn't have my big book with me, but it didn't matter because I could relate so much. And this morning's paragraph uh, talking about reviewing our fears. Um, you know, I have a tremendous fear right now about not coming back from this accident uh, professionally and as well as personally. I'm not working right now and I need to find a job and I'm a professional counselor. I work with substance abusers. Um, this is my profession because this is what I can relate to so dearly and, and hearing it talk about 
wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? The self-reliance, part of the time that I was in the hospital, that's what I was relying on, my own self-reliance of getting me through this accident. And, and a big part of my stay there, I can't remember. I can't remember the accident. I can't remember being, remember being brought to the hospital. I can't remember anything. That's my self-reliance. And I've got to have God-reliance. Um, I can't just trust my own self-confidence with things. This morning, for instance, I'm using a cane now because the right side of my body has been affected and I couldn't find my cane. Well, what did I do? I asked God, God, could you please help me find my cane this morning? I found it. It was in my mom's room. That's God. That's not Eileen. And that's what this program teaches me. That's what this is all about that God is going to take me out of what Eileen issues I have and making me so cocky and making things so much worse and just realizing that it's about God. It's about him. It's not about me. So thank you, everyone, for all your sharing. It really really powerfully helped me over the past 27 days. And I am back home now, and I so appreciate it. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Katie B., go ahead. Hi, this is Katie G. from Boston, Mass. Um, when I got recovered from Bolsa Reader, when I got to this point in the work, I knew I was a fearful person. Um, and I wrote down several hundred fears um, that I had, <laughs> fear of being rejected, fear of losing what I have, <laughs> excuse me, fear of failure, fear of not getting what I want, <laughs> excuse me. And when I was done with it, um, I was devastated because I realized that I had never made a decision that wasn't based on fear, that I was afraid that I wasn't going to pass, so I started cheating when I was a little girl in school and, and undermining my ability to do math or science. I was afraid you were going to reject me, so I judged and gossiped and rejected you first. Um, I was afraid that um, I was too stupid to do certain things in college, so I undermined um, my, my interests. I just saw how fear was this evil and corroding threat. It was like, it was like um, taking my life, and, and I, would, I would try and go a half a step forward, and it would pull me back. You know, and um, and the way I dealt with it was self-reliance, was cockiness, was, okay, well, I don't need God. This is what I'm going to do. And watch out. And Because the thing is, what I've learned about myself is that when I am, like, in that mode, it's because there's fear underneath. And I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I want. And I'm afraid you're going to steal it from me. And that there's finite resources. And when there's finite resources, let me tell you guys, watch out because you are my worst enemy. I don't care if you're my mother. You are my worst enemy. And that, those were my best skills. You know, trusting, self-confidence is trusting in my abilities. I really need to not trust in my abilities today. 
like, yes, I'm a, um, like many of us, like, you know, most of us compulsive overeaters, I believe, are pretty smart people. And I do have some abilities, but not with regard to managing my own life. You know, and so what I did was I put them down in black and white and I did the turnarounds. My sponsor asked me to answer a series of questions, including what was the first time I had this fear, how do I perpetuate the fear, and what would be different if I trusted and relied on God. And now today, after I do fear turn, after I do resentment turnarounds, I do a fear turnaround around fears of failure and things like that. And, you know, what's different for me today is you know, a couple years ago when I was not, when I hadn't done the work, I would be signing up for classes, right? And I would, like, two weeks before, I would flip out and convince myself I couldn't do it. And I would, I would withdraw from the class. And today I would love to tell you I don't have the fears. I do have the fears. But I have a solution today. And I do the turnaround and I show up anyway because the most important thing I know today is at the end of my life, I don't care. If I say I failed at everything, that's fine. But I don't want to say I didn't try. You know, and fear will bring me down. Um, so I'm grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater Monday morning. I'm not hungover, and I'm grateful to not be dominated by fear today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Katie F., go ahead, please. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Good morning. I'm Katie F. in Virginia, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to focus on uh, this first line. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. And for me, that means playing the whole tape out. Um, You know, if I'm afraid that um, I can't pay my bills, then I need to look at my, what they are and write them down on paper and look at uh, how much money I have and look how much money I'll have with my next paycheck. And, Will I, will I really not have enough money? And, uh, you know, will I be full if I only eat this much food? Well, I have to put the food down. I have to follow a food plan. And you know what? I'm never hungry. I'm never hungry. And, you know, my fear of uh, will I never lose weight because I'm eating all this food because I'm not, I'm not hungry. I'm not starving myself anymore. Well, you know, stop weighing myself every 15 minutes and see what happens after a month. And, oh, my gosh, yes, I, uh, I can lose weight eating enough food to keep me satisfied. You know, all these things, I have to play the tape out. And when I get stuck in fear, um, it's almost 100% that I'm looking to the future, that I'm not trusting on God. I look through this paragraph. And, you know, in other paragraphs, we talked about how it's I, I, I. Well, they've just changed it to we and us and said I and me. And there's nine times that it has the words we or us. You know, this is totally self-reliance, totally projection, and not um, trusting my higher power. And that is what fear always comes down to, is thinking that God has forgotten about me, that God doesn't know what he's doing, that God um, isn't concerned about my little problem. And, you know, that kind of thinking is what led me back to the food thousands of times. And today, when I look at things thoroughly, uh, it's usually my projection and my uh, thinking that I know what's going to happen, I know what's best, and everyone's out to get me. And uh, I don't have to live that way today. I can call someone, I can say, you know, this is what's rattling around in my brain, and 
you know, I can let it go with that test. Thank you, Katie. F, would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Rose. Rose. Go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Christy. Um, there's just a couple of things I wanted to say in addition on this paragraph uh, from my own personal experience. Uh, it was an evil and corroding thread. Um, and the word evil in the first 164 pages this is the only place the word evil is um, written, and um, which means harmful, injurious, anything that can cause harm or pain. It was an evil and con- cor- corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. And then the, um, at the last sentence here is at the bottom. Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. And uh, there's two personal experiences. When I first went to somebody, um, this was maybe over 30 years ago, and talked to them, I had what they call anxiety attacks. Um, And I definitely felt as though it wasn't, that it was a separate program issue. It was not a character defect specifically. And the person said to me, Fear is a character defect. It needs to be treated the exact same way as resentment, anger, self-pity, and the rest. And when I heard that, I was totally taken with, this is not true. I'm, um, I'm a victim of, this, of fear. It's not my fault. I have no control over it. Well, obviously, my connection with God was uh, not on very strong footing at all. And then um, uh, over the past year, when I was brought through the steps by a recovered compulsive overeater, and I, too, listed my fears, as was mentioned earlier, and was um, asked, you know, when did I first have it? And it it did bring me back to, you know, very young childhood when it started with um, fears of abandonment and all that type of thing. But... um, uh, the the um, action of putting the fears down on the paper, uh, specifically asking when I first had it, asking what my uh, self-seeking behaviors were around the fears, as it's talked about in the paragraph. Uh, didn't I set the ball rolling myself with the circumstances? And that the light of those actions of this part of the fourth step of looking at it with that search light from the truth. But digging down, I, I must say, the evil and corroding thread is certainly something in my own, what I would call in my guts, buried in me deeply from from early, early on. That was putting the search light of the truth on it and then ending up also for me with the question, what would have been different if I trusted and relied on God? Um, it's, it alters it. it. It alters it, and it shifts the total um, uh, attachment to the fear where, where God's power was able to come in also during my fifth step and change that whole uh, behavior for me. And... Um, and one day at a time, as that work continues with fear, it continues changing. Thank you. I'll pass.
Thank you, Rose. Well, I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, I just, I just love how the big book guides us through, guides us through all, you know, everything we need to get sober, to get abstinent, and stay sober. Get sober, stay sober. Get abstinent, stay abstinent. And, and one day at a time, one day at a time since September 9th of 2001, I have been abstinent every day, every meal. And definitely not because of my self-reliance, not because of my self-reliance. In fact, it says here, um, you know, we put them on paper, them meaning fears, them meaning more than one. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? You know, self-reliance, you know, you know, good certainly in some respects. I mean, it's certainly um, good not to be dependent on other people. I mean, the big book talks about where it's not good to be dependent on other people, but the big book talks over and over again where it is good to be reliant on a power greater than ourselves. I mean, that's what it says this whole book is about. That's what this book is about, developing a relationship with a power greater than yourself. And I know for me, um, you know, that, I mean, self-reliance failed me over and over and over again when it came to my compulsive overeating. It, it just did. I mean, I had to look at that, had to look at that, hold it up to the light of day, you know, peel it back and say, you know what, my best thinking, my best thinking, my best plans, my best schemes, my best food plan, my best whatever, did me no good, did me no good when it came to compulsive overeating. And now what the big book is telling me is that that same self-reliance um, that I tried to throw at my compulsive overeating also does me no good when it comes to fear, when it comes to those character defects that led me to the food in the first place. And fear was so huge for me, but I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get that in the beginning. I didn't say, oh, I'm compulsively overeating because I'm afraid. It wasn't until I got to this point in my recovery, this point in the process. I mean, I remember my sponsor talking to me, and she was describing how she felt fear, you know, how it was, you know, she could usually trace everything back to fear. And I remember saying out loud, no, I don't really think that's it. I didn't know what it was, but I didn't think it was fear. And it makes me laugh today because that's exactly what it was. I was, I'm, you know, I can be afraid of things not working out the way I want and me not getting my way. I mean, that's sort of the essence of Christy. That's how I'm hardwired. And what I've discovered in recovery one day at a time, one faith-building experience at a time, one faith-building experience at a time is that, you know, when I've had those moments where I have thought, oh, you know, I really hope this works out. I, I you know, I'm really scared. What, what has happened to me over and over again is that my higher power has guided me through those experiences through to the other side so that I can reflect back and say, wow, things are turned out so different than how I thought they would. That thing I thought I wanted, that, that I thought was the direction my life should go in, didn't happen at all. 
in fact, something completely different beyond beyond what I ever could have thought of happened instead. And, you know, I mean, what a beautiful way to have my life woven because now I look back and I say, wow, things turned out way better than I could have imagined, way better than I could have imagined. And, you know, me in my limited brain capacity thinking that, you know, one of these two things needs to happen and it's actually, again, something, the third thing that I never, ever could have dreamt of, um, but far better for me, far better for me and other people. I mean, it's just been nothing short of a miracle. And that is how my faith has been built. That is how that faith in that higher power has been built so that I can today say, I have no idea how things are supposed to work out. I have no idea what my higher power's plan is for me, but I'm just going to keep doing the footwork keep taking the action, and turn those results up to my higher power. And that's how this was built for me, one paragraph at a time in the big book. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph? Monica. This is Joan. Monica, and then was it Joan? Yes. Okay, Monica, go ahead, and then Joan. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater back in Florida. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. Okay, so they're giving us instructions here. Well, of course, first of all, here we're working on our fourth step inventory here. We're into the pen to the paper. We're into the turnarounds. We're really getting nitty gritty here. So we reviewed our fears thoroughly. So we're reviewed. That means we've already done something with fears. And yes, you turn back to page 67. And um, we, on the one, two, the third paragraph, it has questions there that we wrote out. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? So there's where my fears, I was told to go back to each one of those turnarounds where I had written what I was frightened of with that particular case, and that was my fears. So now I'm being told I'm going to review my fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. So it meant going back and making a new list of every fear that I had written down with all my, uh, my prior work. And the first thing it says here, even though we had no resentment in connection with them, we asked ourselves why we had them. So I'm being given some explicit directions here of how to do my fear inventory. So first I'm going to write a little bit about when did I first have this fear or when do I remember my first experience with this fear. You know, a couple of sentences, that's all that's needed. And then, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? And self-reliance is capacity to manage one's own affairs and independence. You know, why am I here? Why am I a compulsive reader? Why am I listening? Why am I doing this work? Well, you know what? My way did not work. I spent 50 plus years. My way just did not work. And they're giving me instructions here on how I'm going to figure this, how God's going to help me figure this out. And self-reliance, like has already been said, you know, what was my self-reliance? My self-reliance was I was strong and I can do it myself. I don't need anybody. And of course, you know, the default mechanism when all this stuff didn't work was food, you know. So I never, I never paid attention to fears. You know, I was, I didn't have any fears. When I came to this, this is what I would have told you. I didn't have any fears. But 
this process showed to me that I did have fears. I had an awful lot of fears, and fear is underlying everything. So that's the second thing I'm going to write here. What did I do to try to overcome this fear, you know? Uh, fear of being dumb, fear of not looking good. Well, I became an A-plus student. Um, you know, if, if other things didn't work, well, I went to the food. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. I did have self-confidence. I was a good student. I was successful in a lot of different things. But you know what? I was still full of fear. I was still very unhappy and miserable and turning to food all the time. And so this has given me directions here on how to work on this fear inventory. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Monica. Joan, go ahead, please. Yes, thank you. This is Joan in New Jersey, um, a compulsive overeater, recovering. And um, I just want to say first and foremost, thanks to all of you. I've been listening in uh, whenever I can, and um, you are lighting a path for me. I, I, I know that I have fear. I know that I've been self-reliant. I'm just beginning on the road of action, and I really see that I uh, this self-reliance and the and the amount of fear I I had no idea how much fear I was living in and I think that um, I've been striving for that perfection and and only then would I be God worthy only then would God love me and I so I just had to keep working harder and harder and you know just listening to your stories and your strength and your hope I can't I can't even begin to express how thankful I am. And I don't have an opportunity all the time to check in, but um, I will when I can, and uh, thanks again with that, I pass. Thank you, Joan. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on to the next one? Hi, this is Leah from New York. Leah, Le go ahead. This is Leah from New York. Go ahead, Leah. Hi, good morning. I want to thank everybody for being on the line all the time and for all the wonderful shares. But um, this paragraph and these shares really evoke something very, very strong in me. And that is that I never even realized when I did my inventory the first time that I had a fear of being thin. And it was only after I broke the 200-pound barrier and weighed in, and I think it was 198 or something like that, that it hit me that I had kept myself over 200 pounds and close to three for the better part of 29 years. And every time I was on a diet and I lost weight and I got close to 200 pounds, I'd drop it and go right back up again. So I want to thank everyone for because I need to reface that fear again now and um, examine it from all sides and understand where it's coming from and what it's doing to me today. And um, I want to thank everyone for everything they've done and for all the encouragement and the hope and support that comes through these lines for being there on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. I have, thought I heard a couple of other folks, too. Did other people want to share on this paragraph before we move on? Lois? Lois? Yes. Go ahead, Lois. Okay, thank you. Hi, this is Lois. Um, 
And um, so much uh, has been said already that um, I don't want to be redundant, but um, this is this was this is the fourth step. And for me, you know, it was the beginning of um, trying to um, understand uh, my myself, you know, and and as far as my fears went, you know, I I too, like someone else had mentioned, I didn't really uh, have access to a lot of my fears. I didn't know. I was very self-reliant, self-confident, and I did so many things, and I accomplished so many things, and I was, you know, and underneath all that, I was afraid to stop. First of all, I didn't trust anybody was ever going to look out for me, but I was still very self-centered, you know, and so um, I I didn't recognize that when I was beginning to turn my life and my will over to the care of God, I needed to uh, have Him take care of that right away. You know, I was measuring is it, you know is He going to be looking out for me? Uh, I I found the, um, the the feelings once I put down the food. I found the feelings attached to letting go of, or looking at these fears was so intense that um, for me to go, to ask God for help, to go one day and just to let go and to feel that feeling of fear was so intense that I, I would have to pick pick up my own, you know, control again. So it was the, just the beginning, you know. It's, it's a lifetime for me, I, I want to say for me, this is a lifetime practice of trusting and relying on God. And for somebody like me who, you know, who was very self-willed, Self will run riot, uh, unwilling to let go or trust anybody to look out for me in the way that I could do it. Um, that was an ongoing process, and I want to encourage everybody that this is just the beginning to think about. You know, maybe I have a fear. Maybe I do. I mean, I had many. I knew them intellectually, but it wasn't experientially for me until I put down the food and continued working on these steps. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Lois. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Sylvia, will you please read that for us? Uh, Okay, Christy, this is Sylvia. Yep, go ahead, Sylvia. I unmuted just as you were saying that. Sorry. Oh, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us, and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Such a powerful paragraph, because this is where it says exactly um, what's going to happen if we turn these fears over to God. And so uh, the, the line I really want to look at is, it says that we have to have, you know, and I've talked about this before in my shares, that we can believe in God, but here we trust infinite God. This is faith. We're going to have faith in God rather than faith just in ourselves. And that's a big leap. It was a big leap for me. Um, so we are in the world to play the role he assigns. And here is just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him? Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? And so here is the beginning of when maybe we're allowed to think. This word think is here, and it's before every time we referred to think, it was because we were talking about our brain, which was insane. We had insane thinking. 
And here we're saying now this is a time when we can put our brains to good use. And it, it reminded me so much of the paragraph on page 85 where it talks about in the middle of 85, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. So now, when I don't know what to do, it's saying, ask God. What would God have you do? And it enables us to match calamity with serenity. Uh, Something that happened to me yesterday where I got to put this into practice, it was a uh, granddaughter's fifth birthday, and um, it was a terrible custody battle. She's out of the country. Her, My ex-daughter-in-law has full custody, and um, I got this uh, really angry uh, you know, message that I would never be allowed to see this child again. And it's not that... I couldn't get into the fear, and I couldn't get into the anger, and I couldn't get into the resentment, and I couldn't get into the blame. Certainly, I know how to do that. I've done that well my whole life. My gratitude when I read this paragraph is that I get to practice what this book says, and what it says is that I don't know. Why don't I trust God? Because I don't know. I'm not going to fix this. I can't. All I can do is do as we think he would have us do, humbly rely on him. And does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So prior to becoming recovered and practicing this this program and principles in all my affairs, I could have gotten in such fear, and my first thought was, I will never see this child again until she's 18. She's going to be damaged. She's going to hate me. And all of those fears, that's where I could have gone. And I, I got to feel that for a second. I got to feel that. And then I got to gratefully know that I don't know. I don't know that this child won't come back into my life today or tomorrow. I just don't know. I don't know that this child couldn't be living with me next year. What do I know? Because I'm not in charge. And when we talk about... He enables us to match calamity with serenity. That's what, that's what faith feels like to me, is that I don't have to like it. I don't have to want it. I can't change it. I mean, the first thing I did is I said the serenity prayer, you know. You know I can't change this, so let me accept that I cannot change this. And then to have faith. And when I have faith, it... You know, I had a half day of just feeling overwhelmed and feeling shocked and feeling, you know, feeling it physically, feeling it emotionally. You know, I I got to feel it. But then, because I have faith that I don't know, I get to have serenity. And that's what this tells us. And that was my experience yesterday. So I'm very grateful I got to read this exact paragraph today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Judy B. This is Amy. Judy B. So hang on for just a second here. So I've got Judy B. I heard Monica. I heard Kim. I thought there was someone else. Amy. Amy. Very good. So we'll go in this order. Judy B., Monica, Kim, and Amy. Judy B., go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. For we are now on a different basis 
the basis of trusting and relying upon God. And that is the bottom line. You know, that that uh, in everything, in every single situation, in every thought, that my trust must be upon God. I trust him rather than my finite self. And uh, it's so interesting that this comes up uh, uh, when we're talking about fears, because this is where uh, my fear played a a very big role. Because um, as I started to trust and rely on God, um, I, I felt fearful that I wouldn't be able to do the things I used to do. And um, and so it happened that I, I wasn't able to continue working. I wasn't able to continue um, doing the kind of uh, activities that I thought were so important to my life. And now I've come to understand that uh, he decides the role that I play. You know, he he knows what is best for me, and he knows what he needs in this world. He knows what role I need to play, and um, I can accept that and do that and rely on him, or I can fret and moan about what I'm not able to do, and and that just doesn't work. And so I have found through working this program that <laughs> that if I if I just totally trust him and know that he will give me the work to do that he wants me to do and that I will have the energy and the power to do that, there is nothing else I need to figure out. I just have to be available to him and and that I have all of the the strengths and the skills needed to do what he would have me do. I don't have to figure anything else out. It's just such a relief. Such, such a wonderful way to live, to know that he will guide us and he will show us what to do next. And um, my fears are not totally gone. I mean, they do come up. They come up and yet I know exactly what to do when, when, they, when they come up. You know, I just go to him and ask him to help me with it and, and, and learn to trust and obey because that's the way, that's the best way. And um, I'm just grateful to be able to express this again because it's so important um, in my thinking, so important to know that that he has a plan and that I can trust him with it and uh, and that he will show me exactly what to do each and every moment. And I don't have to figure anything else out. And for that, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I've, I've learned this in this program and uh, so grateful to be at this point in my life. And I, I'm very grateful that all of you are there and that I can share this with you. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Monica here again, still a compulsive old reader. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. So here 
perhaps there's a better way. So the we, you know, those first 100 recovered alcoholics are saying, perhaps there's a better way, Monica. You know, your way hasn't been working. You're willing to try something different here? We think so. You know, actually they know, but they're being nice to us here by saying we think so. For we are now on a different basis, a different foundation, a different standard, a different principle. The basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God, you know, infinite, unlimited, never-ending, rather than our finite selves and finite, limited, having definite limits. So in this part of my fear inventory, what I was asked to do here was to write um, a few, um, a, a very a brief paragraph and starting it with, if I trusted and relied on God. What would my, what would I be hearing to do with this fear? And, you know, that was uh, a wonderful thing to do because my way wasn't working. My way did not work. And I had to stop playing God. I had to start trusting and relying in this unlimited, never-ending power source out there. Because my little power source didn't do me any good. Um, trusting God, relying on God, depending on God, you know. Now we, I know I had to get over my own feet here. I had to try something different. So this was interesting. If I trusted and relied on God when I had this particular fear that I was riding on, what would it look like? And before any of this writing, always, always, everything was done with prayer, asking God to show me what I needed to see. And this is such great writing, and this four-step inventory is cleaning your house, and it will get you to recovery and without our pass. Thank you, Monica. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. So what, what basis were we on before? You know, this book is so brilliant the way it's unraveling this. You know, I know for myself, you know, when I'm fearful, what happens? I get angry. And when I'm angry, what happens? I form a resentment. So in this fourth step, they're unraveling that. We look at our resentments, and that's covering our anger. And we look at that anger, and that's covering our fear. So that's unraveling this little by little. So what is that basis we come in on? The prior basis was that food was our solution. Food wasn't our problem. I never had a problem I didn't want to eat over. Food was always my solution. Maybe one day it was a ding-dong and one day it was a Dorito, but it was always my solution. And when we come to that conclusion that we are powerless because we have an allergy that will not allow us to eat, safely, and we have an obsession of the mind that we can't not eat. And because we are powerless, we know that we need a power. And if we need that power, we've made that decision to seek that power. So now we're in the seeking. We're taking those action steps. So the basis now is that we know we're powerless. We know we need a power. We've made that decision, and now we're taking action. So we're exposed here just to the extent which means as much effort as we put in, if we don't put in any effort, we're not going to get any results. So just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So prior to this, 
prior to this, what was our result? We looked in step three on page 61. It said, is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So when we were relying on self, we were a producer of confusion rather than harmony. And now that we're going to God-reliance, we're going to be able to match calamity with serenity. So if you want to know what calamity sounds like, what does calamity feel like, you know, try to get a microchip in your brain that is hooked up to a megaphone and have that shouted out to the world every single day. That is what calamity sounds like. And when we are in calamity, we have two options. We're either going to pick up the food to shut it up or we're going to pick up the steps to shut it up. So we're now in that action step. We're going to be taking this action. We're on a different basis. We've come to the conclusions. We've made the decisions. We're taking the actions. And as we continue to take these actions, God, God will enable us to match calamity with serenity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Perhaps there is a better way. Oh, absolutely, folks, there is a better way beyond our wildest imaginings. And those who have gone before can say, we think so, we know so. We have been there. The first 100 that wrote, wrote this book says on page 17, there is a solution upon which we can absolutely agree and join in brotherly and harmonious, harmonious action. It's the great fact of this book. But what do we have to do? We have to get down to business. And we're in the fourth step here. And by the time we get to this paragraph, we have to take a look at what they've been trying to tell us all along, that we must have a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And how do we do that? We, we do that through a spiritual transformation that comes about through working these steps. We have to know and come to believe and surrender and work towards this different way of living and thinking and reacting to life, believing in a higher power, no longer relying on ourselves. I mean, I don't know about you all, but by the time I took a look at this list and looked at my resentments and my fears and my anger, I had to realize that my self-reliance, you know, it says we're restless, irritable, and discontent. You know, that restlessness for me was a constant fear that I think deep down, and I could finally see it when I looked at this four-step on paper, that deep down, my family's motto of all it takes is a little willpower, pull yourself up by your bootstripes, bootstraps, all that self-reliance, deep down, I knew I wasn't up to the task. I could not control the world, myself, my surroundings. And so what did I search for? I sought for the ease and comfort, the diluted feeling that food gave me that gave me that ease and comfort because I couldn't do it. I couldn't control my world. And I sought the ease and comfort. I was restless. I was irritable. I was angry and I was discontent and I was resentful. And so that self-reliance, as I've always said, my sponsor would say to me, how's that working for you, Amy? How did that work for you? And I had to admit humbly and concede that my way was killing me. So here I am at that fourth step. Am I willing? It says it. Did self-reliance fail me? Yes, it failed me. That's the question. It failed me. So now, was I really, really willing to put step three into action, to turn my will and my life over? And I can tell you, and working this process through, that those slogans, let go, let God, one day at a time, 
these slogans were invaluable to me for when fears cropped up or when I looked even at the paper on the fourth step and said, my God, look at all of these fears. How am I to change my behavior? How can this, it's overwhelming. And my sponsor would say to me, one day at a time, one day at a time, practice going through your mind, letting go and letting God every time a fear crops up. These were behaviors and actions that I had to learn. And I had to say to myself, you know, the saying in the program is that we have to learn to talk program to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. And I had to evaluate what it was I was truly thinking. Someone was mentioning about thinking. I had to evaluate those thoughts, and then I had to surrender them to God and believe, pray to God, row to shore, take the action steps necessary, and believe that those fears will be removed. Act as if. I had to act as if with those fears, if I trusted God and I let go, and I looked at those who had gone before, and they were not filled with fear, and they weren't, willing, they weren't living with self-reliance, and yet they were free, and they were able to match calamity. With serenity, I wanted that. I wanted that. And that helped me pursue forward into more and more action through these steps so that I could turn around and say to the next person, I now too can match calamity with serenity one day at a time by trusting in God, letting go, and letting God. That reliance, these steps are constantly moving us away from a self-centered person to a God-centered person that is going to allow us to live in this world with peace and joy and a whole different way of living that brings us freedom, not only from compulsive overeating, which was killing me, but also a way to live life that is more satisfying than I could have ever imagined and allows me a way to deal with the ups and the downs, the way that life is going to be, without having to reach for a substance, a substance to anesthetize myself. It's the great fact. It's the tremendous fact. The solution is here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judy B., will you please read a vision for you? This is Judy B. Good, good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.